What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Today, we're on episode God knows what, 24, something like that. Yep, 24 of the Biker Bar. If you're not familiar with what the Biker Bar is, it is a long format podcast kind of Joe Rogan style interview of either other people in the bike industry, sometimes professional riders, sometimes YouTubers, sometimes people that have a product that they're trying to sell, whatever it is, it's something biking related related so if you're uh if you're expecting the the typical kind of mountain bike youtubers live stream this doesn't usually go like that however if you do decide to uh, throw up a super chat i don't always have a chance to respond to everything that's going on in the chat um usually it's just kind of the conversation that's going on but i do appreciate those so don't don't feel like you can't throw some money to to this guy you know i do have a beer habit to support um with that being said uh i do want to ask all of you guys to um definitely subscribe to the channel if you like watching the pov videos or if you like watching the biker bar either one of them um, please subscribe to the channel. It really makes a difference. It makes me motivated when I see that number grow. So it, that and the likes, you know, the likes are the little thumbs up button, push that and then feel free to push the thumbs down button twice. So you can do that anytime you want to, but only two times. Um, <laughs> so outside of that, I do have a uh, Facebook channel and a Instagram channel. They are both at at biker b1 so b1 k-e-r-b1 go ahead and check those out for some reason all you people out there on facebook don't do that so if you have a facebook page or a facebook account or however you facebook facebooking go there and stop by the at biker b1 and like the page and follow it and do all those things that make me happy and then i won't have to talk about that anymore that would be great um we've been doing this sticker time thing lately i don't know what's up with that but if you guys see here i got this sticker that i started out with dtr these are dirt trail riders i talked about them a couple weeks ago they also sent me this shirt check it out like superman wow those of you guys that aren't or that, are, that are listening and not watching it's like a skull and and it has like the instead of the crossbones it's two forks crossed across each other so dirt trail riders is the company that's out of the bay area they do apparel and stickers and they were the ones that put together all those donation bikes for the people up in, in paradise that uh, paradise yeah paradise for the for the fire the fire victims that i was i did a video on just a couple weeks ago so let's move on so today we are here to talk about pedals and i have a guy named james from a company called pedaling innovations it's his baby james i'll let you introduce your baby yeah no man appreciate the time and the uh the platform um pedaling innovations is basically my uh my brainchild um i'm originally a strength coach by trade and so a lot of people know me uh, in the mountain biking industry is uh, through my website, bikejames.com and uh, MTB Strength Training Systems. I've been, you know, working in that capacity for quite a while. Worked with a lot of top riders. I was Aaron Gwynn's uh, original strength and conditioning coach. Uh, worked with the Yeti World Cup team. So had a lot of experience in, uh, you know, working with, with riders at a pretty high level and, and applying functional training and functional movement to, uh, to that. And so it was really like, you know, the insights from that background that led to my idea for the, the pedal and, and pedaling innovations. And basically what I was, I was sitting on the trail one day and I remember it was, it's still like clear in my head. It's funny how certain moments just get like seared in your memory, but 
I was sitting there and I was wondering, I was like, man, why don't I need stiff soled shoes in the gym? Like why I, I'm a barefoot training advocate. I, you know, encourage my, the clients that I was working, you know, had in my, my facility to train with minimalist shoes or barefoot. So I knew that I could, you know, lift a lot of weight barefoot and my feet were strong and stable, but I got on my bike and they turned into this weak, unstable mess. And we need stiff soled shoes and, you know, sticky rubber. And we're trying to attach our feet to the pedals. They turn into this weak, unstable mess. And I'm like, man, why is that? And literally just hit me like out of the blue. It was uh, like a voice came out of nowhere and said, well, it's because the ground supports both ends of your arch. And that was like my first insight that like, the arch of the foot and, and the way that your foot functions, it requires pressure or, or support on both ends of the arch. And because, you know, every pedal that's been designed up until the, the catalyst pedal uh, has been designed through the thought that you need to push through the ball of the foot, they've only been designed big enough to, to support the ball of the foot, which is only one end of the arch. And so you leave the other end of the arch unsupported. And so, the arch being one of the strongest forms of nature, but only if you support both ends. So that's how you end up with this weak, unstable mess that requires, you know, stiff soled shoes and all this other nonsense. And so the catalyst pedal is simply uh, an attempt to recreate the way that your foot actually interacts with the ground. And so once you support your foot properly, then you don't need stiff soled shoes. You don't need to attach your foot to the pedal. A lot of the things that we thought that we needed these other solutions for were really just because we had crappy flat pedal design. You know, uh, what, what do you think? So, so you think the reason that that the pedals were always smaller was just because the idea of pushing through the ball of the foot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you hear. You, you, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because, like, I didn't actually ride. I rode BMX before I, I got into mountain biking, and yep. and. And riding BMX is just like you put your foot on the pedals the way that you like felt comfortable, right? Which was usually kind of with the the axle a little bit more in the middle of your foot for stability, right? Yeah. And, and and I didn't really learn how to to pedal with the balls on my feet until I ended up, you know, more using like clipless pedals. Right. And now, just recently, for the first time in like God, I hate saying this, like thirty years, I I decided to start trying flat pedals again, and it's been really weird for me to like get my foot placement. Like I, like my, my brain's like, like on one end is telling me put your ball of the foot in the middle of the pedal, but for like stability and my foot being on the pedal, like where I feel like I'm not going to fall off of it through like chunky stuff. I'm definitely trying to place it a little bit more in the middle and then drop my heels. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 No, that's it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, that, like clipless pedals are, that's why, the cleat and is where it's at and the pedals are, are designed the way that they are is because the assumption was that riding a bike looks like running or walking. And when you run or walk, you push through the ball of your foot. And so you want to push through the ball of your foot when you're pedaling a bike. Like this was the logic sequence. But right. the problem is, is that your foot doesn't only act that way. Like you, when your foot, when you're, when your foot comes off of the ground, like when you're propelling your center of gravity through space, you do push through the ball of the foot, like when you're running or walking. But if your foot's not coming off the ground, like if you're picking something up off the ground, right? Like when you're in the, in the gym, this is why, you know, trainers will tell you, don't come up on the balls of your feet, drive through your heels. You know, why is that? Well, it's because in that situation, 
your foot needs support at both ends. Like you literally can't support your hips if you don't have pressure at the back end of the arch. Like that's one of the reasons that you're told to drive through your heels when you're in the gym uh, lifting weights. And so, but this idea that you, that it's like running or walking, it's, it was just, a, uh, people didn't understand like there's a difference because your foot's not coming off the pedal. It's more like doing squats or deadlifts. Like the bike's carrying your center of gravity through space. So it's more like surfing or skateboarding. And if right. you look at those athletes, they're not on the balls of their feet. Right, right. Um, like they're on a more mid-foot, balanced foot position because they're not jumping, you know what I mean, and, and running. Yeah. So the analogies that people use uh, are like, oh, like, you know, these, these sports, you look at it and they're comparing it to sports where people are running and walking and, and cutting. And it's like, well, yes, in those instances. But there's also instances like a soccer goalie. If you watch, like, he'll have a flat, like, more midfoot position so he can drop his hips. Like, they're not always – like, you watch, like, a, a, a an infielder in baseball. Like, when he's scooping – sitting down to scoop up the baseball, he's got his feet flat. He's got a mid mid midfoot right. balance position. So he can squat down and, and, and do that. So even athletes in running and jumping sports still use that, that balanced midfoot position in conjunction with the other one. Cyclists are the only athletes that are told you need to be on the ball of your foot and stay on the balls of your feet all the time outside of ballerinas. You know what right. I mean? And so, <laughs> we need no ballerinas at least. We're not ballerinas, man. It's not <laughs> healthy. And so it was – that's what it is. And so the whole the whole industry ran with that. And there's actually science out there that's looked at this, you know, because, again, the idea of pushing through the ball of the foot was you'll be able to use your ankle. Right. And so you, you'll be able to push and pull with your ankle. And if you're not pushing and pulling with your ankle, well, you're not using your calf muscle. And it's just, you know, so now you're not getting any power out of it. But again, they've studied this and shown, well, that's not what's happening. It's just like when doing a squat or deadlift, like if you've ever done a heavy squat or deadlift, you know, your calf's not sitting there doing nothing. It's right. working like hell to stabilize the lower legs so that you can transfer all that energy that you're creating with your hips through your lower leg into the ground to lift the weight. And that's what you want from your, uh, from, from the, you know, from your pedal stroke. And so one of the studies I came across showed that like they looked at that and they showed that, that there was no difference in the power produced through the ball of the foot or the midfoot position, but it did show the ball of the foot put more stress on the calf and Achilles tendon and the midfoot position was, was more recruiting the hips. And so, you know, again, there's science that backs all of this up, but the like using different muscle groups then too. So look, yeah. I want to do something though. Let, let, let's back up because you sure. really started out with a bunch uh, of like history to you that that was that sounded interesting to me. So you're like a, a coach for, or you were a coach for like a bunch of pro riders and stuff like that. You mentioned Aaron Gwen as being one of them. Yeah. So how do you get to that point? So you just started like riding bikes back in the day and like yeah yeah you went to school for like kinesiology or like how, how did how did you get it up to that spot <laughs> okay we'll roll it back even a little further like i uh i got into mountain biking a little bit through the side door um i didn't you know i grew up riding bmx bikes as a kid i never like raced or anything i'm just you know riding yeah, around yeah, I think we all did ride around town all the trash cans and yeah exactly man freaking <laughs> jumping off curbs and no right. helmet and like what the hell are we thinking but anyways right. so <laughs> You know, but I, I got out of that. I, I didn't ride bikes in high school, and and uh, I was I got into track, and track is what introduced me to 
the idea of using strength training for enhancing performance because again like today it's common knowledge but people forget man back in the the early 90s when i was going to high school there was no internet it was joe weeder and muscle and fitness and like strength training was bodybuilding you know and that like yeah. th they were the same thing so this idea of getting in a track and being introduced to the idea of using strength training for something other than bodybuilding was really like interesting to me and i saw how strength training improved my performance i'm like i'm no natural athlete and i could see how doing these things and getting stronger in, with in the gym would help me run better and perform better so i had that in my you know that was kind of my passion so i got into uh i got certified as a personal trainer and i was working in santa barbara i was living in santa barbara i started working for the company that certified trainers uh that, that i got uh, certified through and if anyone's ever been to Santa Barbara, the parking situation downtown is is really atrocious. And so I bought a bike so I could bike to work. There you go. And that was how it started, man. And I bought a mountain bike because I thought road bikes look kind of weeny. And I was like, right. man, that mountain bike looks like my old BMX bike. Like I, I can I can see that. And well, so that time frame about that time frame is like nobody wanted a road bike. Like everybody wanted a mountain bike, even if they were going to ride it on the road all day long. They yeah. were like, "Oh no, I need a mountain bike, man." I need a mountain bike, yeah. <laughs> so I just I got uh, uh, one day I got bored, uh, and I took my bike and I pedaled it up and down a fire road, and I was hooked. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the best thing ever!" This is like, you know, you've got like the 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 runner's high of a uh, endurance sport with the adrenaline rush of an action sport i mean seriously like what is what it's one of the most unique sports that way like what else combines these two this like, like this like uh you know good memories from being a kid too it like kind of plays all into it you know yeah 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 man it was it, so i like i said i was hooked and so i again coming from the track background and and you know I decided to start looking into strength training. How can I use strength training to improve my mountain biking? And as I was digging into it, there was nothing there. And so I started applying a lot of the stuff that I knew from, you know, working in track and, and just, you know, having a, a background trying to working as a strength coach to mountain biking stuff. And I saw again, improvements with my uh, riding and some other guys that I was working with. And so I just had the idea one day. I was like, man, I wonder if anybody else is interested in what I'm doing. So I just threw a website up and had a newsletter. And I still don't know where those first newsletter subscribers <laughs> came from, but people found me and, and I found out that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are interested in strength and conditioning stuff or mountain biking. Because a lot of people back then considered like mountain biking or biking in general as kind of like an add on to your, your strength training. It was just like, oh, this is a way that you can do cardio. You know, yeah. it wasn't like really like, I, I guess it's almost like flip-flop now where it's like people are into my biking and then they're going to the gym so that they can make that better instead of like going to the gym and just doing biking to kind of like fill that that spot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely the, um, you know, what I was, I was trying to find the people who were like, like I was like, you know, bitten by the mountain biking bug and looking for how do i improve and how do i get better and like some right. you know good streaming because i knew people were looking for it because there were a few things out there but like i said it was all like bodybuilding three sets of ten on you know right. the leg press leg extension and leg curl and i'm like that is not how athletes train 
And so, um, so anyways, just through a series of, uh, you know, um, really like a lot of it was just sharing my, my knowledge and, and being consistent with getting like blog posts and newsletters out and, and uh, building a reputation is being able to produce results and getting the opportunity to work with, you know, some, some writers. So the, uh, you know, a lot of it, that's kind of how it started. And then from there, it was just a matter of like hustle and timing and, and taking advantage of opportunities. But uh, yeah, getting a chance to work with Aaron Gwynn um, early in his career, like before he, like I was working with him before he was a pro, like he, he started working with the Yeti World Cup team. That's how I started working with the Yeti World Cup team. And so you're in Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Colorado. What Colorado are you in? I'm in Fruta. Okay. Do yeah. you still have like some kind of like a training clinic stuff that you do or is it like all full time with, with the pedaling innovations? Yeah, right now. I, I mean, I still have my website at bikejames.com. And I mean, cause training and coaching is always going to be my passion, but I don't have a training facility. I'm not as active with, uh, you know, uh -huh. working with people as I was and, and focusing more on the pedal because the, you know, a couple things. One, there's there's more people now who are into mountain bike strength and conditioning stuff. So I feel like, you know, it's great. Like when I started, I literally created the niche. Like, yeah. you know, I, like no one was talking about this stuff. No one was doing this stuff. Like there's so many things that people take for granted now when it comes to mountain bike training and stuff like mm -hmm. that, that, that uh, you know, I kind of help pioneer and, and popularize. But now there's other people who are who are doing it, and so um, which is good. And then really the pedal to me, you know, it's 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 a mission. Like I really feel like the, the cycling industry, you know, purposefully or not, has been misleading riders for a long, long time about pedal stroke and foot position. And a lot of it is done simply to prop up clipless pedals. That that emperor has no clothes, and that if people really knew the truth that they would not suffer the nonsense that you go through with clipless pedals. Most people wouldn't like the vast, majority, like I'm not saying that they don't have a place in, in competition or high level or whatever, but the, the, the vast majority, man, like 98 plus percent of what people think they need clipless pedals for is simply crappy flat pedal design. And once you let your foot give it the support it needs, then then things really start to take off. So I'll know. tell you, dude, honestly, and and this is because this is fresh in my mind right now. Um, like I said, it's been I honestly only I rode flats when I was on on a BMX bike. And when I first started mountain biking in the 90s, we were using toe clips like immediately. I never rode right. mountain bike without toe clips or clipless. So like this go around of riding bikes mountain bikes so to speak with flat pedals is pretty much the first time i've ever done it and i will tell you that it it is a totally different riding style it really is and i and i've noticed some bad habits that i have built over the years of using clipless because i know how to do a bunny hop i know how like how i can i know of a lot of things that i used to be able to do on a bmx bike so like yeah. I knew the mechanics and stuff like that. And I've noticed like, I'm like, holy shit, like right away. I'm like, wow, man, I'm like holding my feet in the like way fucked up position for these flat pedals. And um, like, I definitely was not dropping my heels that much. Like now that I do on the flats where I'm like, holy shit, dude, I can like, I want them to be down so that I can like really have that grip and that, you know, that, that good, like, 
like stiction, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The corners and, and uh, I, I think that it's really interesting, you know, to to like to think about like how many bad habits it teaches you. Like when I when I try to bunny hop on, I just got this hard tail. Put the flats on. Try to bunny hop. I'm like my bunny hops are all fucked up. Yeah, but I mean, I'm so used to like preloading my suspension and like my whole like body like body mechanics of how I'm doing it is like, man, I almost feel like I'm starting over again, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, well, that, that's kind of been you know one of the things that I've tried to point out to people is that clipless pedals are kind of like a weight belt for your feet. Again, going back to a gym analogy. Yeah. And, you know, because people are like, <clears throat> you know, will a weight belt help you lift more weight? Well, yeah. Was it, oh, weight belt must be better. So I, I should wear, wear a weight belt all the time every time I lift then. No, no. And, but that's the logic that's applied to clipless pedals. It's like, well, will clipless pedals make me immediately faster if I'm a new rider and keep my feet on the pedals and help me bunny hop and, and do these things that, you know, kind of really just, you know, cut this learning curve. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, but the way that they're doing that is they're they're covering up like your bad habits. Like instead of learning a proper pedal stroke, any pedal stroke will put power into the pedals. That's right. not necessarily that. That's a plus and a minus. Again, if you're in a competition situation and you're highly fatigued and you're just like, man, I just got to keep going, then then that's a plus. But if you're a rider who never rides anything but clipless pedals. So you never get the feedback on if your pedal stroke or your bunny hops or your cornering, like flat pedals force you to use, it's like training raw. It's like training without the weight belt. You want to develop your technique without the weight belt. And then you want to use the weight belt if you're doing like a max effort lift, but you still want to use the same technique. There's not a different technique, but if all you use is a weight belt, you'll develop bad habits. You'll never actually develop good lifting technique because you'll rely on the weight belt. And that's what happens with clipless pedals. Like if, even if you're going to use clipless pedals, you should still spend time on flats because flat pedals give you the automatic feedback that lets you, that, that tell you whether you're doing these things properly. Like if you, like you found out if you don't bunny hop properly on flat pedals, you know, immediately. Yeah. Oh, that didn't yeah, work. Like, that up. You know? Right. So that, but that your body needs that automatic feedback. Like, again, we see new riders and they're struggling and we, we say, oh, here, take these clipless pedals. They'll help you with this. It's like seeing a, a toddler fall down and say, oh, you need a, a, a walker thing. It's like, no, no, yeah, no, no. I think for me, I think for me, I was saying this to somebody last week. We got, I, I got in the conversation with them. And I think the reason that it was such a natural progression to clip, to like toe clips and clipless, I think because back then our shoes and our pedals weren't that good. You know, right. so like coming from BMX, it was like my shins were beat the fuck up. So right. it was like, here's an option to go through the rocks and not get beat the fuck up more. You, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. and, and at that point it was like made sense. But now the technology of like, honestly, putting my feet on these pedals, like blew my mind compared to what I was used to back in the day. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like, like I'm almost irritated because my feet can't move around enough. You, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I totally agree, man. Because again, when clipless pedals came out, like compared to toe clips that were like cinched down so tight that your feet wouldn't come out, like they were a better option. Yeah. You know, and, and compared to shitty flat pedals with tennis shoes, then you can make an you can make that argument. So, yeah. you know, there, there was there was a place for them. But the problem is, is 
they've continued to be sold on myths and and really like half truths. You know, the, yeah. the again the, the idea of the guy the guy that when I, I I took a little break from biking probably about ten years and it was about two two thousand five two thousand six something like that. I got back into riding mountain bike again. I went to this shop. And the dude was, I was like, oh, you guys got some toe clips? And they're like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We do clip lifts. And I was like, well, why do you do that? And he's like, oh, just way more power. You'll, you'll get way more power out of your stroke. You yeah. know, and I was like, all right, whatever, dude. You know, like. Right, right, right. Well, see, and that's what, again, like backing up a little bit, the, the mistake that I made was saying, okay, but let's look at, show me the research because I want to actually see how they're working. Right. right. So instead of just taking, a, I, I was the same way. When I started out mountain biking, I got told, look, man, you're going to need to get on clipless pedals. So you may as well start with them right away. And they, they threw the clipless pedals on my bike right away. And it, luckily they were like the, the Shimano DXs. So they had the cage. So what I would do is I would ride my, my tennis shoes on the trail. Cause if the, the trails in Santa Barbara are like, brutal like super rocky not where you want to learn to ride clipless pedals because you really <laughs> hurt and but and then i would ride the clipless pedals around town and to work and, and man I, I literally would go out in my front yard like time looking back that i could have been spending on working on manualing and bunny hopping and jumping and all these like useful skills i'm sitting out in my yard clipping and unclipping clipping and unclipping because that's a specific skill like i'm yeah. i'm spending precious time trying to learn this this skill and I never got to the point where like I, I was super comfortable with it and I had the proverbial fall over at a stop sign moment. Like, and, and I realized like, dude, I would have died on the trail if that would have happened. Like I knew that I had to get my foot out of the pedal and I still had trouble with it. And there's like, I was like, I'm just going to go to flats. And so I went and I got some, you know, BMX flats actually and threw them on. And I was like, I was like, I'm just going to keep riding. I'm going to ride until I know it's my pedals that are holding me back. Right, you know, right. I saw other flat pedal riders and they were, they were better than I was. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, focus on that. And that, that was kind of in the background of me doing the strength coaching and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then, and working with the Yeti world cup team, you know, people are using clipless pedals and all this time I'm under the same assumption. Everyone else is, man, I'm, I'm losing something by using flat pedals. I'm losing power. I can't yeah. pull up on the backstroke. You know, there's, I'll tell you what, man, the only time in the last freaking 10 years of riding with clips or whatever like the only time i use that upstroke is when i'm tired it's like yeah. my legs are toast and i'm like oh i can use that upstroke because my downstroke's fucked you know what i mean it's like i'm gonna use it then or maybe every once in a while where i'm like really really trying to push through something i'm trying to like pedal circles you know yeah but honestly the, the amount of time that you that i have done that compared to the amount of time that i haven't is definitely not worth the cause you yeah know? Well, but here, so here's the funny thing again, like I'm, I'm, I'm with you, right? I'm assuming all that's actually true. The way the, 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 the pulling up on the backstroke and pedaling circles actually is, 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 is good. And what we're supposed right. to do. Right. Right. But what I wanted to do is I'm like, let me just see the research. Cause I just want to see how do clipless pedals work? Because then I can design better training programs for what they're doing. Because it's my job to help riders who are using clipless pedals perform at their top. So I should look into this and you know people act like you can just throw a stick and hit five studies that prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that like clipless puddles are better and you know that this this pulling up on the backstroke thing and all this stuff has yeah. actually been researched and i couldn't find anything 
and just you know i, I eventually was uh you know started finding out that the research doesn't exist like whenever they research this they find things that point in the opposite direction like they've studied the pedal stroke twice and have shown that like one the pro cyclists are not pulling up on the backstroke like this is not what they're doing they're just mashing. there's yeah they're mashing dude that's what they're doing and, they're just and, mashing and blood doping what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but what they showed was that when you pull up on the backstroke that you are creating less power and burning more energy to do it that, that there is no like like that's not a a good answer to the problem and you know my my answer to the problem is stand up more people don't stand up more because standing up on clipless pedals you're on ballerina feet with nothing supporting your feet like yeah. you're burning a lot of energy when you're doing that and it's super uncomfortable i and think so, the, the shitty suspension for years played into that a lot too you know, you really didn't want to get out of the saddle on a full suspension bike before because it just ate up all your power, you know, and, and um, I've noticed since I got this hardtail how much more I get out of the saddle and I'm like, why am I not doing this on my full suspension bike? Maybe it is the pedals. I don't know. I've only been doing this for a couple of weeks like that now. So I'm, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really taking what you say and really kind of annual analyzing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about it, man, like try to stand on your tippy toes, right? And then, and then move around and it's like, you know, I, I had a video the other day that I posted about uh, your foot position on a wobble board. Like a wobble board, you know, like, you know, a, a board you're standing on with something in, in the middle that you're balancing yeah. on. Yeah, it's kind of like similar. a logo ball, whatever those things were called back in the day. Yeah, 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 exactly. But the dynamics, the principles of balance behind that are very similar to a bike, right? Like you've got your feet on the outside. Your point of balance is between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never thought of it that way. And you have to use pressure with your feet to stay balanced. Right. So it's very similar to what you're doing on the bike. The principles behind a wobble board and balancing on your bike are very similar. So when you're on a wobble board, do you want to be on the balls of your feet? No, no, that would fuck y'all up. Hell no. And <laughs> yeah. even if you could balance, even if you got to where you could balance on the balls of your feet, okay, now move. Now squat and hinge and actually move like you would need right. to on your bike. And you're like, dude, this is not what I want to do. I want to put my natural. heels down. It doesn't feel natural at all then. It doesn't feel natural at all. And, and people get fooled because on your bike, you have handlebars. So if you grab something in front of you, again, put yourself in the same situation. You're standing on a wobble board on your toes and someone gives you a stick in front of you to hold on to. Oh, I don't feel as unbalanced now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but you're still unbalanced. The right. thing is, the stick has allowed you to now start using upper body muscles to, to compensate for the lack of stability at your feet. And that's what happens with, with small pedals. Like you're holding your handlebars and you're using those upper body muscles to compensate. So you don't feel unbalanced, but right. those muscles are metabolically active. So you're burning energy. So you're wondering like, dude, why is my neck and my upper body so sore at the end of a ride? Well, it's because it's making up for the fact that your feet are unbalanced because you got these tiny pedals. And when you stand up, same thing. Now those muscles, if they're trying to stabilize, they can't move, right? You can't be a stabilizer and a mover at the same time. It's just impossible for a muscle to do two things at once. So, so if it's if it, if you can't move, now it can't help with like skills and moving around, right? Yeah. So now you can't use your upper body like you need to 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 flow and and move and do your execute your skills because it's stiff and compensating for these feet. So what feels better? Throw in another balance point under your ass and sit down on that. Now you feel feel even more stable. 
Right. You know, and so it, it but it's not. You're you're <laughs> unbalanced the whole time. You're just compensating yeah. for it. So whenever you're sitting on the trail that day and you came up with the idea for the the pedals, yeah. um how do you how did you go from there like making a prototype or like what what, what did you do yeah you know I, I went off the trail that day and it's funny i wasn't all pumped thinking i had a million dollar idea and i'm gonna run out and prototype it and get on shark tank and all this stuff like right. i was actually thinking oh shit, i'm gonna have to do this <laughs> <laughs> Like I hope I'm wrong. To be honest with you, I hope I'm wrong. I love that attitude, dude. <laughs> because Fuck. if I'm right, like what the the consequences of that, right? So I didn't want to get into manufacturing and all this stuff, right? Like, but I knew that the industry, if I was right, we were basically this is gonna be like the earth is round. Right. Compared to fire. Like, Go fuck yourself, man. It yeah, is fire don't shit. Hear, man. I don't want to hear it. So I knew I was going to have to do it myself. And so I came off the trail and I was like, all right, well, I got a 3D print. Uh, I went home. I made some measurements and I figured out that basically five inches of contact space for an average size foot, somewhere in like the 8 to 12 range, will give you a long enough contact space to connect both ends of your arch and that's where the that's where the magic exists what i found out is and, and so anyways but so that i went i got a 3d just something that i could throw an axle in and pedal around the parking lot and man i could tell from the very first pedal stroke that i was like oh shit, there's something here <laughs> i'm different. gonna have to do it and so then i went and i found somebody to get a an aluminum model and and uh, i'll show you this hold on this is the benefit of being in my office. Where is this bad boy? Oh, where's my tank? For those of you guys that are listening, he just opened up the, the, the closet. Oh, I'm rolling. It'll be worth it, brother. Taking, It'll be worth it. through like some kind of mad scientist looking for the, the original prototype. <laughs> Here he is. Here he is. Here he is. Sorry about that. No, so no this, this is the 3D model that i had printed up i had i had a couple of them printed up and one i threw threw an axle in and uh so that was the basic idea man got out in a parking lot and then i had this one made up we called it the tank it weighs like 700 800 grams a pair it was so just the first one just, uh, just just i'm gonna explain it just a little bit for those people that listen to this on the podcast the first one that he showed looked like it was the 3d printed in plastic and kind of like a just a, a similar shape to a pedal, but solid almost all the way through. And now he's holding up a, a metal one that definitely does look like it's a, like a solid chunk of like alloy. Chunk of aluminum, aluminum just shaped into a pedal. Right. So this is what I got my first ride on, my first trail ride on. And uh, man, I remember, you know, cause I ride the same trails a lot. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with them. And there was a one climb in particular that I was pedaling up and i had to look down and like recheck my gearing because i was pedaling a literally pedaling one gear harder than normal right. i was like this is out of this is crazy and it was just such a, a different experience for my foot and i could tell right away that i'm like i'm getting more power my foot's more comfortable over the i didn't realize all the benefits that it was going to have like over the next few months like i started to realize more and more stuff so the first thing was that I got the extra power because I'm able to recruit my hips. 
The other thing I started to realize is that, oh, my foot doesn't slip off the pedal. And it's because when you're putting even force on both ends of the platform, it doesn't rotate. As soon as you shift to the ball of your foot even a little bit and start to apply force, this starts happening. So the, the platform starts rotating forward. You're right. applying uneven forces into an into a rotating platform. That makes no sense from an engineering standpoint. Like that's not how you apply force efficiently into a rotating platform. And so that's why your toes point down and you get this whole forward toe tipping thing on a normal pedal, even a normal flat, because it's not long enough to get that that support under the heel. So you still have a little bit of that yeah, forward yeah. toe tipping thing going on. So I realized that, oh, I don't need super sticky rubber. Like I don't ride in five tens anymore. I'm able to pick. I have way more shoe options now because I don't need ridiculously sticky rubber to hold my foot on the pedal because I'm not literally trying to kick my foot off the pedal with every right. pedal stroke. Right. And you talk about dropping your heel, man, you, you're, when you drop your heel on, on a pedal that supports the back end of your arch, you're actually getting pressure on your heel as well. And that allows you to recruit and use your hips more effectively. So it it, uh, it really helps out. And then the, the other thing I realized, one of the really big benefits is just how comfortable the pedals are. And I say that from, I, I realized one day, like my right pinky toe wasn't going numb anymore on long rides. That, you know, that was just one of those things that I just kind of, you know, on long rides, sometimes I'm just going to have my feet start to get uncomfortable and have a pinky yeah, toe yeah. go numb. I'm like, my feet don't hurt. My feet don't go numb anymore. And I started to realize again that by not jamming my toes forward with every pedal stroke, mm -hmm. that my feet were way more relaxed. And so I wasn't getting all that pressure on my feet. I wasn't putting all that pressure on my calf and Achilles tendon. And so what we found is that by getting your foot supported properly, uh, people that have had knee problems, ankle problems, low back problems are finding that like, man, it was just simply your pedals. Like literally yeah, within yeah. a ride or two, those problems go away once you get proper support for your foot. And so, you know, while that was, you know, I, I started to realize all these things, but anyway, so that, uh, so once you, go, once you go once with you go with the, uh, the uh, you got the prototype and you're gonna start manufacturing or whatever, right? How yeah. did how do you like protect what you have because you can't really like trademark or something like that for a, a pedal like because isn't I mean the design is basically yeah. the same just bigger, right? So there's nothing that yes. really really stops other people from like copying what you're doing right no 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 no. you're absolutely right and, and so two things with that that actually this was my third prototype like i had a buddy who said look man you can't let anyone see this chunky block thing. It, it, it's already too big you need to get something that looks like a pedal and so i right. found a guy locally who helped me excuse me helped me design and he came up with this design, and as, as you can tell, this it's basically uh, the what I have now, my, my finished version, my finished right. pedal looks very similar to this. And so with this, I'm able to patent this design. Um, so people can't just rip off the look and the design of the pedal. Um, and anyone who's seen the Catalyst pedal knows it's a very iconic, very, uh, um, it, it stands out. And one of the things that helps it stand out is that I-beam uh, in the middle 
and mm -hmm. that I beam is the way that you know we maximize the strength to weight ratio of the pedal because being a bigger pedal you're already dealing with extra strength and so or extra weight and so um anyways that i beam i think did a really good job of of uh you know maximizing that strength to weight ratio so people can if they come out with another pedal they're gonna have to make it look different and right. uh which you know um you know and i hope they do like that kind of leads me to the second thing because realistically man like i hope in 10 years it, we're having a much different conversation about pedals and and things pedal stroke like we've gotten kind of past this uh you know 1980s idea which is when clipless pedals came out right like right. we basically have a an 80s technology that we that we're clean to because a lot of people feel like flat pedals are a step backwards like that's a low technology yeah, yeah that's what you're saying but it's like man sometimes technology isn't necessary like right, right. sometimes so. it's yeah yeah no definitely you know somebody asked something in the chat that i thought was interesting um they were talking about having a pedal design for larger size feet and so i i guess yours are only one size you don't have some for like people that are like 13 15 whatever i currently have a larger prototype uh that i've had made up and it's basically designed for people with like size 13 14 feet because we do get a lot of people with with bigger feet using our pedals because they are you know much more much better support than anything right, else right. The market. but yeah the technically speaking the a larger foot would require a little bit more space to make that uh that arch connection and so that's one of the things that we're working on this year is uh um, expanding the lineup to include a large version for guys with bigger feet and some gals i guess i don't want to yeah, what, what about i mean does that that go the same way though too like maybe a smaller version as well for people that yeah. are like because you don't want the extra weight maybe yeah the extra just like hey it's just too big I no 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 you're absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right and especially with the kids ruling with the bmx racing um yeah. that that has really opened up uh a big flat pedal market that wasn't there uh for a long time so yeah now that kids under 13 can't race bmx uh with clipless pedals um the yeah so yeah the smaller pedal uh um again yeah that's the small medium and large is, is the ultimate goal and that would be the idea is like come to the website what size shoe do you wear here's the pedal it's optimized for your size foot and then uh so people are getting what works for them but um yeah just starting out i mean this is all self-funded you know yeah, yeah, like totally. you're just going back to you know how we got it going just it uh being bike james um having that reputation and also i, I the the flat pedal revolution manifesto is a, a document that i put out years and years and years ago um and so a lot of people know me as a big flat pedal advocate for for a long time before i ever had the idea for this pedal so i was able to go to my um my my list you know my my bike james fans and say hey i've got this idea for pedal anybody interested and uh man we had uh almost 600 people pre-order the pedal which was was really awesome man because again it just spoke to like people's faith and like my right 
my idea and my vision. Um, and so, do so you manufacture them here in the states or overseas or VP VP components uh, manufactures them. So uh, they're over in Taiwan. You know, they uh -huh. do VP pedals. They do a lot of third party manufacturing. But uh, what you find out as you dig into this is that uh, there are only a few mass manufacturers of bike parts in the world. Right, right. Most of them over in Taiwan and China, and it literally is like so much of the stuff that people buy in it, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. It's the same stuff, it's just different labels, and then people yeah. trying to convince you that they're cool to buy their stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting industry. <laughs> so, um, what was I just gonna say? I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, do your uh, your your pedals? They have pins on them. They're removable, I assume. And you can yep, yeah. They come yep. with like long and short, or yes. like yeah, yeah. They come installed with uh, I think they're five and a half millimeter, um, mm. but they come with eight millimeter pins as well. So people that need a little bit more grip, but. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, what I've found, I mean, you can see, again, uh, um, my original prototypes had literally three pins on either end, like six pins per side. And I wasn't slipping pedals with this. But like, that's where I really realized, like, oh, if you have your foot in the right position, you really have weight on the back end of the arch, and you've got that the, the balance forces going into the pedal – Right. You don't need. There's not a. There's not a need for a ton of grip, and so, but there are a lot of people coming from, you, you know, a little bit more of a ball of the foot position, and so it can take a little bit to uh, to make that transition. So, um, anyway, so that's why we make the longer pins available for people that need it. Right on. Right on. So, what's your what's your uh, professional take on it? Like, what 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 do you what do you use? As far as like so, your pins. I, mean, I just use the, the pins, the normal pins, like the, the five and a half millimeter pins. Um, so does it have six in it now or, or, or does it? Oh, no, there's 14 pins per side. 14? Yeah. Good God. You yeah, have yeah, yeah. A bit, huh? yeah, there's five on each end and then, no, actually there's 16. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 18, 18 pins per side. Basically, the entire outer edge of the, the pedal has pins on it because that's where all the pressure is going. Again, like people, if you have a midfoot position, like look at your arch, right? Like there is no, there's, there's nothing in the arch. The arch is blank space. So you're not actually putting pressure in the middle of the pedal if you have your foot in a midfoot position. You're putting the pressure more on the edges and the ends. And so the whole idea of like having having pins in the middle and a concave design came from being on the ball of the foot. Like if you're going to be on the ball of the foot and you're going to be dealing with that that uneven pressure and the the forward rolling thing going on, you need something to secure your foot in that mid in the middle of the pedal. But uh, um, yeah, like I said, with the catalyst, that's why we don't have you know a bunch of pins in the middle or a concave design because. The, the pressures on the ends and the, and the edges. And so that's where we've got the pins, but yeah, there's no pin, there's no pedal on the market that has more pins than we do. So no one's, <laughs> no one's complaining about the grip on our pedals, man. You, you put your foot where we tell you to, and your foot is not coming off that pedal. I, you, you can lay down power in flip flops. Like I, I think I would almost rather ride a trail in flip flops and, and my pedals 
than five tens and some and some regular flats, man. Like that may be a bold statement, but a beer or two, and I'd probably back it up. <laughs> a beer or two. So you said uh, um, that uh, obviously you're a beer drinker. I thought you you were drinking something there earlier. You got you got one. Yeah, man, I got uh, from the Upslope Brewing Company out of Boulder. It's their uh, experimental India Pale Ale for uh, from last year. So, yeah, you're an IPA guy. That that's that's your big thing. Yeah, man, I like I like uh, IPAs and dark beers. Those are kind of my two favorites. Uh, Oscar Blues has the Old Chub, which is my uh, that's one of my personal personal favorites for a dark beer, but. Uh, I yeah. never. I only had their their beer once. That uh, that that pale ale was it like Dave's pale ale or something like that. Dale's pale ale. Yeah. Dale's. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Is that where are they from? Are they from your area? Yeah. Well, Fort Collins. I mean, Denver area. Yeah, like, Colorado. Yep, huh. Yeah. I know when you live on uh, the western slope where I do, like everything on the other side of the hill is Denver. Like I know there's Boulder and Fort Collins and all that other shit. I know it's not technically the same thing, but as far as I'm concerned, it's all Denver. Yeah, it's kind of like anything south of us is LA. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. LA all the way to Mexico, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there's, there's San Diego interrupts that, but right. Uh, right. Yeah. They're just like a dot, though. You know, <laughs> everything yeah. else is LA. Yep. <clears throat> so, what kind of bike you ride nowadays? I got a Da Vinci Troy, uh, 27.5, just to weigh in on that uh, debate. I mean, I, I find the, 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 the 27.5 gives me a really good um, – I've never ridden it and, and felt like the I was dealing with wheels that were too big, and I can definitely feel where it's rolling through things a little bit easier than a 26. So for me, it's like a really good – uh trade off but uh yeah yeah, yeah you're, you're speaking you're speaking my language man i i always feel like the 29ers just pick their own lines however yeah. i got i just got this this santa cruz chameleon and it's set up with 29er on it right now and i haven't taken it somewhere really chunky yet but so far man i've been really impressed with how well it handles so yeah. I, I don't know if some of it is you have to like be on it for a while to like kind of retrain your your like body mechanics or something like that to like the way your muscle memory is, you know. But yeah. I, I definitely will say at the end of the day, dude, like the the being able to throw the bike around on the twenty sixth was it was way better than even the twenty seven five. It's just that rollover. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a little bit of I'll lose some of that flickiness. For that rollover but the 29er i just i haven't been able to drink the kool-aid yet yeah yeah no i'm i'm with you on that i was uh i, I was testing some bikes um because I, I was a diehard 26 guy like you know i, I waited till just a, a couple years ago to finally pull the trigger and put my old trail bike into out to pasture and get a new one and man it was one point this is hilarious man i was riding a bike and and I'm not going to name names because I'm sure some people like the bike, but I was riding it and I was, I was at a point like, man, if this is the future of mountain biking, I may have to quit. <laughs> this, this bike rides like shit. And, and, uh, I hadn't experienced anything like it. I'd never ridden a 26 inch bike that rode that fucking horrible. 
Yeah. And, and then I got on my DaVinci Troy and I was like, okay, whew, thank God. Like, you know, the bikes, not all of the bigger wheel bikes feel that weird. And I realized that that's why I really started to realize like there's a difference between riding on top of the bike and riding in the bike, like yeah. riding and, and the 29ers are more of an, a riding inside the bike experience. Like you feel like you're riding between the wheels you know, and whereas like a 26 and a, and a well done 27.5 and you know, whatever, but it's more that experience of being on top of the bike. And like you're saying, being able to flick it around underneath you. Yeah. Rather than like having to like, yeah. So that, so to me, that's more what it is. It's, it's those bigger wheels just make it really tough. I'm sure it can be done. I'm sure there's, you know, some people, some bikes that have pulled it off, but it just makes it so much harder for you to create that feeling of being on top of the bike and able to move the bike around underneath you as opposed to being suspended in between the wheels and just kind of like, you know, fucking riding, being carried along for the ride for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, so, you know, a lot of it comes down to them learning how to do the geometry, you know? And, and I think, you know, over time, like I can definitely say out of the last few 29ers that I've ridden, compared to the first few 29ers that I've ridden, they've come a long way, you oh, know? Sure. And, yeah. and, and uh, I, I will, you know, as it is right now, I'm, I'm not, you know, getting rid of my Bronson with 27.5 wheels and I'm not thinking about it anytime soon, you know? But who knows, maybe someday, I don't, I don't know. I always, I've been questioning to myself, like with the bigger wheel sizes, does it keep making the trails get harder? Because like what it does is like dumbs it down and then people are like, oh, I want to make it hard again. So they build the trails harder. You, you know what I mean? So like, Ooh, does there come a point that that where like 10 years what? from now, 15 years from now, whatever, people start buying 26 wheels again because they're like, I just want this shit to be tough. Like it's too yeah. easy, you know? Well, yeah. Where So unfortunately, you're kind of hitting on a couple of things there, man. As an industry, I think that's one of the reasons the 29ers are so popular because like they do make things easier. And if you're trying to sell a sport like mountain biking to the public, like dude, we were both around when everything was free ride. Remember right. that? Yeah. Like everything was free. If it had more than four inches of travel, it was a free ride bike. Everybody wanted to be a free rider. Everybody was in their woods building stunts and doing shit. Dude, it was a <laughs> wonderful time to be a mountain biker. It was awesome. I mean, it I'll was tell you what, dude, I think the nineties were probably one of the best times to be a mountain biker. Cause there was no rules on where you couldn't ride. Right, so yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. any hiking trail, it didn't matter. It is like fucking get on there, dude. Pedal whatever you can pedal, dude. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then the industry, I think, you know, get it, it realized like, oh, we can't sell free ride to the public. Like free rides are really tough sell to the public, man. Free rides right. hard. Free rides like like that. That's what I like as a mountain biker. I've had to mellow, but like that was if you were to ask me you know, five years ago, like, what kind of rider are you? It's like, I'm free rider, man. Like I fucking, I look for big jumps and gnarly lines and, and me and my buddies just have fun seeing how crazy shit we can ride. And, <laughs> but to do that, man, you're going to get hurt. You're going to take spills. You're going to wreck. It, it's, it's a mental, it takes a, 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 a type of mental toughness that not everyone has, man. And so uh, you realize you can't sell that to the public. And so 
things started to change and, and that's when like the, the 29ers and and flow trails there's, there's just been like a whole uh you know um easing down i'll, I'll say of of mountain biking in general yeah. um over the years and and a lot of it is and and, and and this is where people what cracks me up is because everybody sat by and watched it man everybody sat by while the industry killed free ride turned it into a dirty word you know got everybody hooked on 29ers and flow trails and now they're wondering what about these e-bike things it's like you guys didn't see this as the inevitable like you know what i mean like we're making this easier for you we're making yeah. we're trying to attract more people we're trying to grow the sport and as long as it was contained in this little box that, that they were cool with, right, then it was okay because not everybody wanted to have to drop a five-foot, you know, drop to be a mountain right. biker. So they were okay with free ride being, you know, shoved out. But now all of a sudden people come along with e-bikes and they're like, oh, no, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yo, slow your roll, brother. Like, you you guys, the industry's been on this, heading in this direction for a long time and you guys were not awake to it and now all of a sudden like, you're complaining like at the day dude man if it, if it gets people outside i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck either i've had to give up like at one point in time i was one of those dudes who was like man a, a mountain biker needs to be able to hit like a three foot drop needs to be able to hit a you know like if you were going to be a mountain biker you need to be able to ride a variety of things up and down right you know and if you couldn't do that i'd be a little bit of an asshole and be like what the fuck's wrong with you a little bit of an asshole <laughs> and i had to chill out i had to chill out because everybody's telling me like hey man you can't impose your vision of mountain biking on everybody right. okay fine so i'll mellow out and now i see these people with the e-bikes and i'm like thinking like wait a minute you're the same people who are telling me that i can't impose my vision of mountain biking on everybody and i need to chill out <laughs> And now here you are imposing your vision of mountain biking on everybody and getting all worked up. Like you can't have it both ways, man. You either need to chill out or you need to buck yeah, up yeah. and start getting ten foot jumps and drops. Like I hear you, bud. Both ways, man. I so, hear you. Hey, anyway. so so back to uh, back to when you were like training training pro riders and stuff like that. What's one of the number one things that you work on with them? Uh, mobility, your ability to move uh well i think that that's one of the the things that mountain bikers don't really appreciate because uh on the mountain bike your technical skills play a much higher role than probably any other cycling sport so like that quick twitch kind of stuff not even really quick twitch just your ability to move freely and be able, your your ability to get into ranges of motion easily and efficiently so if you need to drop into an attack position for a downhill, you're able to get in that position easily. If you're able to, uh, you know, cornering, I find a lot of people struggle with cornering because they lack the specific mobility. The, their, their body literally can't move freely off of the bike. And now you're getting on the bike and asking it to move, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't, it, it can't it's, it's basically locked up and so yeah. and, and plus it always surprises me whenever i'm i'm riding with a new rider and i'm trying to explain to them to get their butt back you know and right. they're like it is back and i'm like dude no it's not no like, they can't it's, it's like like they, it, it, I, I don't understand it it's like i i don't i'm like 
how can you not get what I'm saying? Like move it like, and you do it in front of them. You're like, do it like this. And they right. look at you and they're like, okay, I am. And you're like, dude, your butt's not even off the back of the seat, dude. That's a perfect <laughs> example. Like they literally, they lack the mobility and mobility may not necessarily be flexibility. You know, mobility is more, it's your ability to, to move freely. Can you get into positions easily and freely and be comfortable there? And I think so, that's one of the key reasons of having the dropper. And I didn't, you know, it, it took me a little bit of time to really understand it, you know, but, but now where it's like, I want that drop for as low as it can fucking possibly be yeah. because I want my bike to be able to move six, eight inches, whatever it is all around underneath me and not have that thing in the way at all. Yeah. You know, like I, I always joke, I, I wish I could just push a button and it like inspector gadget folds up, slides down the seat tube. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, man, I, I, I agree. That's they, a lot of your technical skills, pretty much all your technical skills on your bike come down to an interplay between your center of gravity, which is your hips and the bike center of gravity, which is roughly somewhere in the bottom bracket area. You'll get your bike nerds that'll tell you that's not exactly where it's at, but for our intents and purposes here over a beer, that's what we're going to use. But <laughs> your your ability to move your hips and and keep that relationship right. So you know, sliding sliding your butt back, you're just basically moving your hips back behind your bike center of gravity, right? And so there there there's advantages that there's advantages to your hips moving in front of your bike center of gravity. Like a lot of riders get totally scared and they don't actually shift their weight forward when they stand up. And so they're, you know, they're missing out on a lot of, uh, you know, easy power uh, yeah, yeah. with that. You learn that though, you know, get up out of the saddle and try to climb something steep. And you'll learn if you go too far forward, your back tire skids. If you go too far back, your front tire lifts. And it's like, yep. find that balance point. Right, you know, exactly. I think that's probably the best way to teach people how to climb out of the saddle is on something steep as hell. Yeah. Because it's like, you're, you're either going to fuck it up or you're going to get it right. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, man. Being able to move your hips and even that, like being able to climb, like a lot of times I'll prefer to have my seat out of the way on a, on a steep technical climb because it's more your hip position, you know, getting weight onto your back tires, not necessarily your butt being in contact with your seat because your seat tubes pointing like at an angle into the incline. Like, so if you're pushing into the seat, it's not actually pushing down into and weighting the back tire. You know what I mean? When you're on flat yeah. ground and you wait and you push on the seat, yes, the, the 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 force is going in the same direction as gravity. So the force is helping enhance gravity. When you push in the seat, when you're climbing, the force is going at a different angle than gravity. So you're yeah. not actually enhancing your downward traction when your butt is on your seat when you're climbing. It's your your hips are in the position that they need to be. It's a coincidence that your hip position and where the seat is happen to be in the same place if you take your seat out of the equation and leave your hips there you'll still maintain traction and so but that's what it, it, that's what a lot of people get confused with though and so they get afraid to like move their hips around and use them when they're climbing they think they got to keep their butt stuck on their seat because that's helping increase their traction and it's like no man move your hips like your your hips is is your where your hips are in relation to your bottom bracket and rear tire and all this stuff, that's what's creating the traction. So your ability to move that around is gonna be helpful. So get the seat out of the way. I'm definitely noticing it a lot more riding a hardtail, you know, for the for the first time really on a, since the 90s, you know, it's just uh, 
how much more I get out of the saddle, how much more I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use my legs more as that suspension. Right. So like, I'm definitely yeah. noticing it's like that getting out of the saddle or just a little bit out of the saddle to come over this or to go over that, like definitely a lot more of that going on. And I I've been, you know, I hate to be sounding like a band, like a, like a bandwagon or uh, like overly promoting a hardtail now that I got one, but it's really made me understand like a lot of things that a lot of skill sets that it builds where I, I'm like, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm constantly while I'm riding it, thinking to myself, all these guys that are starting out because maybe they didn't have enough money to get a full suspension bike or whatever. And they think, oh, I need a full suspension bike it's going to make me better and it's like no actually the bike you're on that hardtail is probably teaching you the most that you're going to learn you know because yeah. once you get that full suspension bike it's going to eat up a lot of your mistakes for you and yeah. you're just stuck with those habits until you you know end up going to some training clinic or something you know yeah well that's what yeah people think man six inches of suspension or you know if they've got that that's you know still a bunch man most most trail bikes are more on like the four to five inch range it's like you go pull out a ruler and look at how much five inches is. It ain't a lot. If you're relying on that to eat up the trail, like you're screwing up. Like that ain't <laughs> enough. Like suspension is there to compensate for your mistakes. Yeah. Right? So, like I totally agree, man. I, I think that, that, that pretty much every rider would benefit from starting out on a hardtail because it really forces you to learn how to flow and let the bike move underneath you and, and learn how to move the bike to absorb things and move your body to, you know, uh, redirect energy rather than just sitting there with your big wheels and your suspension and doing nothing and just going like, look at my Strava time. It's getting faster. And it's like, right. Jesus Christ, dude. Like but it is fun doing that's not i don't know like again I'm, this is my pure side coming out but i'm like I, there, there's a difference between being a good mountain biker and being a fast rider man like there's a lot of people who are fast that i don't necessarily think are good mountain bikers yeah yeah you some know, of them don't necessarily have, have good skill or they're able to overcome they're able to compensate for a lot of things like out fitness their way through a lot of stuff and yeah, that's like, you know, not necessarily being a good mountain biker. Like a good mountain biker dedicates himself to his craft. Like it, you know, it's not just how fast my Strava times are. Right. So it, but again, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, dude. I um, part of the reason I got this bike is because I it has dropouts, so you can change it to a single speed and not have to have like a like a fake derailleur hanger or something like that, you know. And yeah. I really want to build it as a single speed. And a lot of people ask me like, why? And, and a, yeah, to change the trails in my, that I ride and make them a little more challenging or whatever. But one of the key things is really to make me a better rider, because when you don't have that big gears to go into, when you're going downhill, like you have to learn how to corner better. You have to learn how to carry momentum better. And yeah. like, those are the skills that, I want to get better at so that whenever I am on my squish bike with all my gears that I'm a better rider, you know? Right. And, and I think that that's like part of the reason of getting, getting this bike and, and to really like to work on things in that manner, you know? Yeah. 
Challenging yourself in different ways, man. It's part of the, it's part of it. I mean, like you said, what you learn from riding a hardtail is going to help you on a full suspension. What you learn on a single speed is going to help you ride in a geared bike. And you know, what you learn on flat pedals will help you with clipless pedals. Like that, that's the dirty little secret. Like just kind of, you know, that, that a lot of people really don't like to hear is like, man, I'm giving people who want to be flat pe clipless pedal riders, the secret to be even better on their clipless pedals. Like, you know, th these things will, will help you. Um, but people just get comfortable, man. They, they get their full suspension bike with their gears and their clipless pedals and, and it, and it's comfortable and they stop challenging themselves. And, you know, I don't know, to me, that's, that's, if, if that's what, if that's what it is, then that's great. But again, like, again, I just, just cause you have a mountain bike doesn't make you a mountain biker. Like to me, a mountain biker is someone who's, who's bitten by the bug on a little bit deeper level and is, is like dedicating themselves to their craft a little bit more. So, um, but, uh, yeah, man, I think that all that stuff is, is, uh, why, why people like introducing single speeds and stuff into their, into their routine. You know, um, kind of change gears a little bit back, back to your pedals. Um, so with your, like, how do you handle your distribution? Um, I just have a, a, a third party, uh, like three PL, uh, uh -huh. picker so packer. Basically like you have like a bunch that you, of your pedals that you've ordered and I think they come in like different, like anno colors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got four colors. We've got black, blue, gray, and red. Um, I, you know, we get them shipped over from Taiwan and we've got a, a warehouse here, uh, in, it's actually in Grand Junction, which is the, the bigger town uh -huh. like 15 minutes from Fruta. And so, uh, yeah, we just get them shipped there, and then as they get then, ordered, um, get shipped out from there. So all the orders go through your website. Yeah, for the most part, we do some some uh, few orders through. Uh, you know, my wife's our kind of customer relations person, but yeah, for the most part, we're that was. You know, there were there were a couple of reasons that I decided to go the direct consumer route. Like I've I've worked in bike shops. So I'm definitely a fan of bike shops and think that they and, and encourage people like, man, make use of your bike shop. Um, but the uh, the I also know how the margins and stuff work. And so being the size that I was trying to keep the price point where I wanted it to be, um, you know, we decided to go that way. And plus, it's easier for me to tell the story to people, you know, trying to put them in a bike shop where there's five, six other flat pedals and relying on the the sales guy to point them out and tell the story, it can be a little tougher. So, um, you know, being, being that we can, uh, tell the story of the pedal directly to people makes it a little easier for us. So, uh, but yeah, that's why we're, uh, we kind of rely on that side. So you don't, you don't have them on Amazon or anything. You don't have an Amazon store, just direct through your website. That's it. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, we do have shops to carry them. Um, and so, uh, but it's just not a focus of ours going out and finding retailers. And so it's uh, um, a little bit different. I mean, the, yeah, so that's, that's, that's our uh, strategy. So how long, how long you guys been doing this? Oh man, we are going into our fourth year. Oh, wow. It's, so for a while now then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, uh, December was when we was our third, third three year anniversary of like when we started shipping the puddles. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been, uh, it, it's been, been good. It's been, um, been gaining momentum and, you know, more people benefiting from them. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we'll any more, any plans for any more colors? 
Well, every once in a while, we'll do a purple, uh, which seems to be pretty popular. Um, we do, uh, we would like to, again, like this is one of the things, man, like I was, I was warned when I got into the pedal business is like the, one of the guys told me, he's like, watch out. Everybody's got an opinion on pedals, man. <laughs> Whatever. No, everybody's got an opinion on pedals. So, uh, the, the main problem with colors is just the, the quantity. Like we've got a minimum order quantity right. that we have to put in. And so again, without getting into specifics, it's, right. uh, it's not cheap to order, uh, to, to add another color right, um, right. to an order. And because, yeah, if it was up to us, man, we would do it. But we, we, we plan on doing it. We, we try to do like, you know, at least two, three times a year, having uh, some sort of special edition color that we'll come out with. I think orange and green are. Uh, you just got them all like shipped to you, like, like um, just flat, one, like whatever, like base aluminum is and then have some anno guy over here in the states like do all your colors up yeah well again man you'd be surprised what uh the the cost for all that stuff are yeah i have no clue dude i'm just over here telling you how to run your business man no 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 thing, <laughs> man because pedals especially fat flat pedals are one of those things that most people the industry's done a really bad job of giving people a real idea of what pedals cost especially flat pedals because what you have is you have a lot of people like the uh companies that they don't just sell flat pedals you know they've got a full line so they don't have to make like great margins on their flat pedals you know they right. can make great margins on their derailers and they don't uh -huh. have to make great margins on their pedals so they can sell the pedals a little bit cheaper than necessarily they would right. if it was the only thing that they sold and so, uh, so the price, and then you end up, you know, ordering a bunch of pedals from your manufacturer. You don't sell a bunch of them at the end of the year, so you blow them out the the door to your 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 you know website places, and then they've got them on sale for thirty five bucks. And so everybody's thinking, like, man, pedals, you know, what, why, why do they cost so much? And and the problem is that they it's so much raw material, like clipless pedals. You know, people look at a clipless pedal and they're like, wow, they cost this. Why does a flat pedal, which is this low technology item, cost just as much or, you know, whatever? And it's like, well, there's a lot of material there. You've got a lot of right. and raw material in a flat pedal. A clipless pedal is a high technology item. Like, they've already paid for the technology. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of these things, like, the patent's already paid for itself. So they're able to make these, these clipless pedals, which they don't require as much raw material right uh, they're not as big and so that's why they can make them and and they're you know price like they are so there's a whole lot of like interesting price things going on but that's why you know our pedals priced at 99 bucks um which is for for a pedal that has a rebuildable you know replaceable axle you can rebuild it um you know all aluminum that's that's a that's a pretty good price but the uh it all just comes down to the margins and material costs and yeah there's a lot of stuff going on Hey man, like I said, this is why I said, "Oh shit, I'm gonna have to do this, aren't I?" When right. off the trail, because there's a lot of things that I had to become an expert in that I didn't necessarily want to become an expert in. So wh why um why aluminum and or or do you have plans for like a composite in the future or? Yeah, no, it's a good question. the The main reason is that the mold for a nylon pedal is gonna run you in the thirty to forty thousand dollar range. 
um the for aluminum pedals because it's a it's an injection mold it's the whole like the pedal they just inject plastic or whatever that it is into it and then it comes out the aluminum pedals what they use is an extrusion mold so it's like play-doh so they push the aluminum out and it comes out and it's like the shape and the size and and so all they do then is go in and and uh um cnc the rest of it so it cuts down on a lot of the cnc uh time and cost by having an extrusion mold but the extrusion mold costs less than two grand to get oh, that's a big difference so it costs like 40 grand just to get the mold for your pedal yeah for a plastic pedal yep yeah, Holy yeah, yeah. Shit, man there's so, no cheaper way to do that that's fucking crazy yeah well i mean it, it definitely you know the costs uh come down uh you know you got to put a, it it's it's money up front for you know uh the 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 cost over the long term or uh vice versa and so we went with the uh the the other route uh -oh. Did I lose them? You there? Yeah, buddy. Hey. Oh, man. Watch that for a minute. So, I'm sorry. I can't remember what I asked you right before my, my power went out. Yeah, uh, no, you were talking about the, like, the cost for the different, like, why I went with aluminum versus... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you were saying, I think you were, you were saying something about, obviously, the cost goes down whenever um you're ordering a lot more of them i think that's about whenever i i fell out so we can move on from there so yeah ultimately though i think the gist of, of it was in the future you wouldn't mind doing that but right now it seems like aluminum just makes the most sense yeah no we're, we're in talks uh trying to get some estimates and stuff with the nylon uh pedal um i think that there's definitely a market for that i mean that's it will allow us to bring the price down uh, more in like the you know sixty dollar range, um, and and so that'll I know that that's will help us get it more out there. Uh, so my whole goal is to do what we need to do to to get more of these pedals in people's hands, and and uh, so yeah, we're looking at, at a couple different things. So um, is there is it just going to be purely pedal pedals or are you ever thinking about any other inner other things to kind of like change the way that that people are are kind of you know their contact points or whatever with the bike man yeah you know i i've i've thought about it and uh i will say i'm not going to do anything just to be like a, a me too product you know we're not just going to add like chain rings or handlebars or something just to like round right, out the right. product line uh so to speak um but yeah i mean i've i've I'm, i haven't had any other insights but i could definitely see if i had something else because this, this experience has been uh it's been cool and now that i've done it um you know and i see like okay it's it's uh it is possible to take something from an idea on a trail to an actual product that people are are buying and and using and, and getting benefit from um yeah if i have any other uh any other insights i'll be sure to, to what would you what would you say is like one of the things that you learned the most about that process like like just how to deal with distribution or finding like a, a place to make your stuff or like what is it that 
what skill set have you learned through that process that would make doing it over again a lot easier? Um, man, yeah, that's a good, uh, good question. I think that the, the, the hardest thing for me to figure out was, um, really stock, like, because there's a, there's a dance between, uh, cash and stock that how much, how, how much product you have on hand. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so there was a couple times early on where we ran out of pedals for a few weeks because, you know, I had just under misestimated uh, how fast we were going to sell pedals and or, you know, how quickly they were going to be able to get us pedals. And so really that that side of it um, was the, the 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 I guess like the thing that I made, you know, the, the biggest mistakes with. Mm -hmm. um and, and probably would have been able to avoid those mistakes knowing what i know now but uh that 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 right there um a lot of it man i gotta be honest it was an interesting experience for me because i i tell people like i the the universe or god or whatever you want to call it like it was definitely not my voice that gave me that insight like i don't know how to explain it right like we all we all talk to ourselves we all have that voice in our head and and we right. know who that is. The voice that told me is because the ground, like I'm asking myself this question and the answer was not me. The answer was like this insight from like somewhere else. Right. And so I, I got the insight and then, you know, a lot of things just kind of came in my, uh, my path at that point. Um, so it, uh, um, so yeah, that lose you again. I think I lost you again. Sorry about that, man. Yeah, no that's the status quo for the night, huh? I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it on my cell phone for now and we'll just deal with it that way. So so you were saying? Um I, I forgot I, I thought I'd lost you there for a second. So what 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 did you ask me? Uh it was I think we were talking. I'm sorry, my power went out again. So now I'm like now I'm super now I'm power now I'm power paranoid <laughs> <laughs> so i think we were talking about um like you know kind of the, some of the trials and tribulations of kind of yeah of, of oh yeah that's right yeah yeah no i just i had a lot of of uh of you know fortunate um things just fall in my my way like the the guy who came up with my prototype and the design um he just had the idea in his head and and came up with that design and, and it turned out to be the final design that I used. Um, you know, I, I had a friend that had uh, done some work with VP and so he knew a guy there and was able to put him in, in contact with me. And so there was, uh, like I said, it was weird, man. It's like the universe put a lot of things in place for me. Like once I started heading down that road. Um, so I guess that's kind of one of the things that I learned as well is just, uh, you know, just, just have faith, man. Just start, start heading down the road and trust that you may not necessarily have all the answers up front, but you know, things will present themselves when they need to be. Right on, man. Well, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up tonight. Cause I don't want the, uh, the power situation here to just keep jumping in and, and screwing up everything. So I, I wanted to, you know, thank you and, I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and, you know, sit down and chat with us about your product. So everybody knows I will put the link to your website, pedalinginnovations.com more here whenever we get everything up and running. 
Um, it was really interesting to hear your perspective on the pedals and how they work, because honestly, everything that you said is so logical. It's like, why would you not believe this? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just makes sense. Exactly what you're saying. And, it, it, and it's one of those things where it's like, why has this rock not hit everybody on the head yet? I, yeah. I'm anxious to, to, to give your, your pedals a, a shot, man. It'll, it'll yeah. definitely, um, definitely be, be a fun experience. Um, do you have anything you want to say to anybody in closing? No, man. No, I, 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 the, my main thing I try to emphasize with people, especially, you know, uh, after talking, cause I can come across as, as a little bit of a zealot and I'm definitely very opinionated, but at the end of the day, what I really, really, really want is for people to look into it for themselves. Don't take my word for it look into it for yourself. So that's really my ultimate goal is I don't want to necessarily convince people to just believe me, like at least get curious enough to ask some questions, look into it for yourself and, and see if uh, um, maybe you have the same experience that I did, which is that, wow, a lot of these things that we have been told uh, aren't necessarily true. And uh, so, but anyways, that's, that's really my main message is, is uh, there, there's other information out there. And if people look into it for themselves and come to their own conclusion, then uh, I'm happy. But I just see a lot of people being misled and unfortunately kind of brainwashed uh, into, a, into a way of thinking that is, um, in my opinion, hurting people and ultimately holding back the growth of our sport. I mean, if you really want to get more people uh, into cycling, get rid of this crazy um, you know, uh, idea that everybody has that you have to use clipless pedals and, and get more people on flats and you'll see more people, uh, trying mountain biking. You'll see more people sticking with mountain biking and, and, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's really kind of my, uh, my ultimate message to people is, uh, look into it for yourselves and, and let's get out of our own way and let this, this, uh, wonderful sport grow. Right on, man. Well, hey, I think I think you're definitely going about it the right way, dude. Do you guys have some kind of like like warranty or anything like that on the pedals or like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've got the normal manufacturer's warranty, and and we're uh, man. I I've been on the other end of the phone when you call somebody and they're like, "Well, we've got your money, and you can basically kiss off." Um, when it comes to warranty <laughs> stuff, so. You know, we, we take care of people. We've been over backwards to make sure if you, if you get a pair of pedals and, you know, bearings out and it's like, we'll just send you a new set of bearings. We're not going to, you know, dick around with you. Um, we've got a full 30 day money back guarantee so people can try them. And if, if everything that I said isn't true, they don't work the way that, that I say they do, send them back and we'll give you your full, uh, full price back. And there, there's nobody else in the bike industry that is confident enough to offer that kind of guarantee for their product. And, but that's just, you know, how confident we are that, that they are the real deal. So, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, we, we do have a couple things in place to, to take, to ease people's minds a little bit. Cause I know it is, uh, you know, when trying something new, it can, uh, be, you know, have some, some worries. So we try to make that as easy as possible. Right on, dude. That's definitely, uh, Oops, that that's definitely something that not many people do. That's for sure. And no. I think you know, if you're willing to stand behind your product like that, it speaks, you know, for how much a you believe in it, and b, 
Like, obviously, as a business person, you wouldn't be doing that if you didn't, if, if the product didn't actually like, like stand up and actually do what what you know you're you're th you're expecting it to. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was definitely a little nervous to do that when we launched the pedal, and uh, but I was like, you know, if it's not that good, then then we don't deserve to be in business. So. Um, but it, uh, it, it's paid off. We, we, we don't get very many returns and the ones that we do, we've got people that are more than willing. We send them to shops for demo pedals or whatever. So we're, we're happy to take them back cause they just help us sell five more pairs. <laughs> there you go. Well, Hey, once again, man, I su super appreciate it. Definitely everybody. If you're interested, take a look at pedalinginnovations.com. He's got some videos on there and basically all the stuff that we talked about as well. I want to mention once again to those of you that are still here and made it through the, the double power outage of 2019. This will be this will be an episode to remember. Um, make sure that you uh, subscribe and support the channel any way you can, whether that's on Patreon or on shop.biker.com or just watching the videos. If you're hitting the like button, the thumbs up button, that would be awesome. Share it with whomever. It doesn't matter. Make your grandma watch it. I don't care. Check it out on the podcast as well. You can check it on Google, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to this as a podcast, it would be awesome if you stopped by there and also wrote a little review, hopefully one that has five stars and not one. If you're going to do one star, just do it five times in a row. That'd be good. And then, then maybe that equals out to be the same. So either way, thank every, thank you everybody for, for joining us tonight. Um, thank you very much, James, for, for hanging out with me and bearing with me through the, uh, through, through my, my, my power crisis out over here. Um, and I just want you guys all to remember one thing and one thing only, it only takes a bike to be a biker and apparently one with pedaling innovations pedals. So get out and be one guys. <laughs>